One of the things I think is really overlooked is tasting as you go. Except sometimes it seems a little bit overboard. Like if you go to a bar and it's and it's like dip the straw and taste it. I know you made a hundred of these today. The straw thing's probably not necessary. Well, I mean, depends. I mean, not. got a hundred guests behind the bar. You take a hundred straws. Just got yourself. A That's not fair because I've asked you about that one time. Real method or just trying to catch a buzz? And you said real method. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Sometimes I'll take like four straws though. You That's to catch a buzz. I Not do. four straws like one after another, like four in a row. So you actually get a good drink. So like you take half the drink with you? <laughs> it is a little unnerving when they do the thing because I just assume they got it right. But then when they like start adding more stuff in, I was like, oh no. Well, I think what that's necessary, drink? like for, for your drinks, for your staple drinks, the ones on the menu, you should not need to right. taste those. But if somebody's like, hey, Will you make I'm me feeling a... this, yeah. make me this, blah, blah, blah. And so therefore translating into the home bartender, yeah, you know, try it. Yeah. When I see it, I generally think that the person, that the bartender is a pro. It just makes me think of a chef. I've, I've watched my fair share of Top Chef and I see how they taste as they go and they make sure, like nobody puts out a great dish that has not tasted along the way. So and they would all. not lie to me on Bravo. I think it's yeah, on Bravo. Or any well, that's bar. true. They're yeah. tasting it with a straw. They're pros. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Gotta be. Have to be. Welcome to the podcast. This is Always Parched. I'm Woe, joined by my good buddy Dinger. And hey, yo. Hey. And then my buddy Micah. Good to see you. We, uh, what are we drinking, by the way? I always like to start my night with a Negroni. Mm-hmm. Always a good choice. Negrones. Yeah. Two things I'd like to add about that specific drink. Well, there's two things I'd like to hear from you about that drink, so Ooh. let's hear it. Oh, we're not going to go on to what I'm drinking right now? Let's hear why you chose that one for today. Well, I chose Negroni because Negroni is my favorite drink. Mm. Uh, always get down on Negroni. Absolutely love it. And as far as technical, it is a stirred cocktail. General guidelines of citrus, you shake, milk, egg white, something along those lines you typically shake. And if it doesn't, then you tend to stir. And, and this is a stirred cocktail. It has citrus notes to it because of the aperitif, uh, but no actual citrus juice in there so definitely stir the second thing that i would uh, love to for everybody to do is to measure a lot of people will you know they think oh i bartended in college we always used to count our pours yeah that works but when you're going for cocktails you want to maintain consistency so measuring out is the best way to do it one of the biggest reasons for this cocktail specifically is because these three ingredients are totally different textures so you can't, you could count the exact same thing and think you're doing an ounce, but the viscosities of, of different ones are going to come out at a different speed, different flow uh, than, than the others. So your counting is not going to give you exact ratios of equal parts. I'm drinking a Manhattan. You guys started off in Negroni. I started off Manhattan. I think the biggest thing that I would point out is they're both three ingredient cocktails, a minus, you know, garnishing or anything like that. And so... The subtlety and the difference, the variation, I should say, between a really good Manhattan or a really good Negroni um, or a okay one is just going to be in the technicality of it. It's going to be on how, on, from my point of view, it's going to be how you executed making the drink, whether you, you know, used a good measuring tool, uh, 
shaked it, shook it, shaked it, shaked it, shake shacked it, shook it. Shake it off. Move on. I think we're in agreement that yeah. that is improper. <laughs> that was definitely a word. Um, or stirred it. Um, just all, all the real fundamental stuff, again, that is not like super sexy, but it's stuff that you... You in the industry, Dinger, I would assume would notice if you walked into a cocktail spot and saw the bartender doing his thing back there. You might notice if you ordered a Negroni and he was shaking back there furiously, I imagine you'd maybe just raise an eyebrow. Maybe you wouldn't care. I was at a bar once and it was taking forever. So I'm like, what is it? I mean, like looking behind me, looking around, is somebody else? There's this big party that just put a drink order in that I don't know about. And I see him and he's, and he's shaking a cocktail. And I was like, oh, must be because I ordered a Negroni. <laughs> so <laughs> couldn't, couldn't And then he takes and dumps it into a glass. Not even fresh ice. Dumps it in. Sets it right in front of me. Oh, just the ice soda. from what he used to shake it, you mean? Tops yeah. it with soda. Tops it with soda. You order Americano. <laughs> Loss of words. And a little shout out to our Instagram account. You'll notice that the uh, Negroni we have in the picture there is immaculate. There's Ooh. no turbulence. There's no air bubbles. It's just pristine glass Negroni. Perfect <laughs> Negroni. And it's kind like of it. counterintuitive, kind of going back to what you were saying, whoa, where it's only a three ingredient cocktail. So it seems like it'd be easier but it's kind of more difficult because right. there's so little room for error you've right. got to be on what you're doing like if you've got a uh, punch of sorts that has a bunch of different things going on there's a lot of room for error because you can mess up and it's still going to be fine but when you've got the three ingredients especially when there's such disparate items that you really have to nail it yeah and i think because it's you know very spirit forward if your ratio if your ratios are off it could be disastrous yeah just yeah enough said yeah disastrous that's disastrous. right yes. luckily the negronis we had tonight were on point mm -hmm. that's right both visually and tastefully that's a real word don't look it up um and what are, what are you drinking well uh, manhattan but i so and also you'll throw um some of these recipes on episode notes uh mine in particular i actually had well all right Full confession, you guys ready? This is my second one. I'm already on number two. Mm -mm. <clears throat> yeah, so if I start slurring in a minute, you'll know way. why. First one I did with Willet, Willet Rye. Um, actually, you prepared that one. What was it? It was Willet Rye. Willet Rye, Dolan Rouge. I did a couple dashes of Scrappy's Aromatic Bitters and Scrappy's Orange Bitters, one dash. That was number one. Uh, garnished with a little bit of uh, Dinger's favorite cherries. Maybe second favorite cherries, Luxardos. Um, and then the second one, I used uh, Burr Rye, High West Burr Rye, with uh, I think I actually tried a little bit of the uh, same Dolan Rouge Vermouth with Golden Bitters and a little bit of Ango in that too. We'll throw that recipe in the notes. Um, and actually, your Negroni was not Campari, which typically. Correct. Yeah. And we talked about this a little bit in our 12 bottle episode before this. Uh, about you really oh, yeah. enjoy a good aperitivo. Love it. All of them. I really do love all of them yep. out there. Question for you, Dinger. <laughs> or Micah, I guess, if you've noticed this. but um, I, I know the like, answer. Okay. I'll take this one. All right. Never mind, Dinger. Yep. Sit this um, one out. I got it. <laughs> my hands are spread out. I'm ready. My, <laughs> you are ready. Yep. My question was going to be, 
we don't have to go through everyone. There's a lot of tools behind the bar, um, especially, you know, in a professional setting. They've got a lot of different things, uh, a lot of things you probably wouldn't find in your home bar. But uh, there's a lot that you probably would find behind your home bar. Things that are necessary just to, I think, get consistency. Strainers. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, if, I, if I'm I coming over, you were gonna say I need this. a strainer. <laughs> I don't want ice shards yeah. in my drinks. Right. But more importantly, I don't want pulp. I hate pulp. I don't like, if I got a mojito, I also want that double strain because I don't want little flecks of, mm. of mint. And I know that that's not how everyone feels, but I want nothing in it. Exactly. You got some in your teeth. No, I don't because I double strain mine. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, uh, what you thought was the, the biggest. Oh yeah. Even if I'm most making, important. if I'm freshly squeezing juices, which I do, <laughs> I'm going to probably double strain it. I'm getting rid of all the pulp and I'm double straining all of my drinks, even if it's not necessary. I just want like my drink and my crystal clear ice and a garnish. Sometimes. I yeah. get it. Yeah. Well, so I guess drinks, ice shards, pulp, if I'm at home, but I don't mm -hmm. like to serve them to other people. So I do agree. Get your strainer. And just like most things, the more you pay, it's going to be... There's a sweet spot where it meets your budget and it will last you, serve you well. Right. And then if you really keep looking, I've seen things online and I don't even recall the website, but I remember seeing one, you know, there are some tins or some jiggers and stuff that were, you know, upwards of 75, 80, 100 bucks. And they're very cool. They have real subtle designs or um, I don't even remember what they're made out of, but... You Vibranium. Know, Yep, if you're using something and using it consistently so that you're getting the same measurements, so even if it's not quite an ounce or more than an ounce or whatever, but you're using the same ratios, um, using it for the same ratios, it might get you by. But that what said... If, if every ingredient in your drink is one ounce? Yeah. You, you make drinks that are not just one ounce, of course. It's cocktails, right? Yeah, it's either just, one or two. Just ounces. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. Uh, so to go back a little bit, you said strainers. Are we just what, what, what type of strainer? And then fine mesh. That's. I mean, I'm going to double, oh. so it requires two different ones. Is that right. what you're getting at? Yeah. Because well, I was actually thinking more of uh, Hawthorne straver strainer or julep strainer, and then you're talking even deeper than that with the mesh. Yeah. I double strain almost everything, even if you're not supposed to. Even stirred? Probably. Really? Yeah. You don't have to be technically correct for it to be your thing. Hey, man, that might be more technically correct than not. Yeah, let's say that. I can be lazy at times. What's your... So there's always little things that I notice on a bartender that makes it seem so much more professional. And I think there's a thing where I just do not do any sort of showmanship. I just pour the drink. Not that it's like cool or anything, but I've never felt comfortable doing the interesting parts of it probably because I don't even know why I'm supposed to, but it's the um, cracking the seal on the tin and doing like the exaggerated thing with the top part where the liquid isn't, where you get like the last little drops. Every time I see someone do that, I was like, oh yeah, that person knows what they're doing. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like letting the last drip, but getting further and further yeah, away from it's, the big it's tin. Yeah, it's just these little mannerisms. You crack it and do the thing and bring it up and back down. And it's like, oh yeah, they know. The For me... When I was behind the bar, that became more of 
just kind of in the flow of things. You know, like you're, there's, I always talk about, you know, a really successful, well set up bar where the staff can almost read each other's minds and, and work well together and grab things for the other one that isn't called out or, you know, you just kind of know what steps people are in and mm-hmm. uh, you're just, it's like a dance. Right. For me, it's, it's like a dance. And, and that was the favorite night, my favorite nights of working behind the bar when you had that energy. So right. when I'm in that groove and in that kind of that dance of being really busy, that's when those little mannerisms <laughs> tend to come out. And I think it's just part of the flow. Yeah. That feels good. And I think there's definitely a sweet spot for that too, because the second I think you're doing something just for the look, I was like, oh, screw that. You're doing flair. I don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Because there's some people who just like you're saying in the rhythm and it just works and then there's some who do these like exaggerated things like nope now i'm out it's like any other thing it's you can have a super good talent of of something and be really good at it but it still is bothersome like too showy for you well i mean just make the drink really really well so it would be like if you're playing horse and i took the basketball and i recited shakespeare's othello just (laughs) immaculately and then did a layup like the only thing you got to do is a layup because that's the only part that counted the shakespeare part really didn't wasn't a part of the shot and that's how i feel about flair like it's uh entertaining of sorts but just completely unnecessary yeah oh do you remember asking me a question (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and no, you, you never did. finished the answer, so I thought we were just moving on. Anyways, just curious, do you have a do you guys have a favorite tool? Well, I think Mike already answered this. I would definitely invest in the shaker. I think that's kind of the oh, big thing. And I thought you were gonna say strainer. Mm, all right. <laughs> I don't know, oh, man. How about the shaker Tell strainer me. combo? Yeah, they have that on cocktail kingdom too. <clears throat> No, I plug in Cocktail Kingdom this week. I know, right? I mean, if we're going to the basics, yeah, I want a decent uh, shaker, but those are like 20 bucks, so that's fine. And then a decent fine mesh strainer, which but are then you like also... three bucks. Yeah. So you, I mean, that you don't have to get from Cocktail Kingdom. You can no. go to right, they're everywhere. Grocery store, yeah, a tiny little one. Or... And so my basics are definitely easy to fill because sometimes I even look at those stirring glasses and it's like 60 bucks for this. Oh, yeah nice looking thing but oh boy i mean stirring glass pint glass and yeah stirring glass in my opinion is the one thing i'm like i feel like the you get a solid measurement tool a solid shaker you know all those things the stirring glass is one thing that is for show i mean that is definitely a cool piece on the bar both professionally and home bar that just stands out as you know it's got kind of some neat artwork or whatever etched into it and and the more expensive it is the more kind of ornate it is usually but it's almost always a conversational piece for me because i got one and i like it just fine but it's almost always the um segue to talk about how this is a drink that has just spirits in it and traditionally you're supposed to stir that and so that's the conversation i have every time i break out the spoon and the glass. Yeah, I have one. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I would say is, you know, checking your size. Like I bought one online once, and it came in, and it's like for making three, four drinks at once. And mm-hmm. then now you're talking the technical side of it is, is totally different because your stir is going to chill and dilute at different times. So 
you know, you don't want to get into something like that. And then does your julep strainer even fit inside, you know? But me personally, I'm really down with the uh, stemmed mixing glasses recently. Uh, I know you like those. Mm. Why is that? You know, I don't see, know. See, when I see the tulip, it's like almost tulip shaped. It's got the stem. That looks to me like it would be an inconvenience. It's funny that you say that because one time I talked to a bartender who always touched the bottom, the base of the glass um, and like turned it as he was stirring yeah. the drink. Um, and the reason being was that he was just not trying, he, he didn't want to hold on to it so that the heat didn't really transfer too much, but he was constantly touching and moving it. I'm doing all the motions right now, but, um, and it's, I don't know how to describe that. Um, but so that he could feel the glass as it, and feel when it was starting to chill so that he knew that the glass was chilled and he could, you know. But I guess the, he had a good sense of when the, the cocktail was chilled at that point. But also. the rotation had but, nothing to do with it? Because yeah, I, I always see the rotation, to too, all the time with everyone. Is that just a stylistic choice? I don't know. Must uh, be. Either he told me and I don't remember, or yeah. he didn't tell me. To jump on board with, or jump on top of your reference to when you're touching it and the, um, the amount of heat mm-hmm. that can be Sounds uh, weird. sexy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not a heat transferred into your drink. The stem, you you're not messing with it. You're not touching. You're not holding it, and you really shouldn't hold the your mixing glass while stirring because of that. The, the warmth of your hands will dilute at a different time. So with the stemmed ones, you can, if you have to, you can hold it down with two fingers. It's not touching the side of the glass that you're mixing in. I did the same thing as you, by the way, Dinger. I I didn't know the milliliter like how the milliliter size transferred into actual physical size. So I bought the bigger one. I was like, oh, well, I don't want the smallest one. I want the bigger one. And it's the same one that holds like four drinks instead of just two or three. And it's just too big. I have the appropriate size. Yeah, Yeah. you do have the appropriate size. Well, we're not perfectionists as much as you are. Fair point. There's also, you know, a ton of different things that you'll probably see at out, out at actual cocktail bars probably lots of really neat tools that they use. Is there any that you've noticed out there kind of trending or, um, or maybe is there any one that you know of that is not necessary to, you know, start your home bar or to just have a really good home bar, but, um, is just badass. The biggest trend that I've seen for sure in most cocktail bars that are trying to have an elevated experience is definitely the uh, smoking gun. It's uh, definitely a crowd pleaser. Like you see someone smoking, even if it, if it's like putting it in a decanter in a drink, or if it's like putting it under the glass and doing the big reveal mm-hmm. with the billowing smoke. That yeah. Or scene. now you see the the box uh-huh. that you pump the smoke into, and it's open the door, <laughs> pull your drink out. I haven't seen that. I've not seen that. But I want to now. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I would say that's the the biggest trending one. I mean, if you're going to drop money on a smoking gun, more power to you. Well, and so that's why I said this is not the new. Especially the guy who hates flare. Flare and smoked. Yeah, that's right. Smoked, but scotch, mezcal, because he hates the taste of smoke. Although to be fair, it's. Creates more of an aroma than it does a flavor. No, it does. I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to get him to like scotch and mezcal. Yeah, well, I'm on board with Keep that. Keep working. So yeah, what Dinger said. So I agree. The smoking gun is probably the. 
I don't even know if I want to say trendiest, but definitely just one of the cooler gadgets behind bars. I mean, we talked a little bit about it with Libby or at Undertow. I think one mm-hmm. of their staple cocktails involves the smoking gun. Yeah. And, uh, I'd say, you know, if you want it, do it. Yeah. I would well, say the, the, the least utilized tool in my bag is a swizzle stick. Same. I don't own one. And those are super cheap, but yeah. get your other right. tools first. I feel like you need crushed ice for that. Like if you're going to make a chartreuse swizzle or something, because I've got the swizzle stick and I've only used it probably twice specifically because I wanted to use it. Yeah. So if you're going to get a swizzle stick, you need to get the Thor hammer. Right. And the bag. Because I was at Smuggler's Cove and I was like, ooh, I want a chartreuse swizzle and I yeah. want to see them swizzle it because then they tie the napkin around it and it's ice cold and it's, it's a beautiful drink. It takes a lot more effort to do it at home. Yeah, for sure. What was the cocktail that you put in the ice sphere with the syringe? That I stole from Aviary in Chicago. Right. What was in it? Was it the uh, was it the Manhattan? Manhattan? Okay. Oh, Manhattan. I got it. Manhattan. What the was pause the... was I was thinking of it. I couldn't remember. <laughs> it came out in a cigar box with the little hammers and... the Yeah, cigar box was served with it. Right. That had the hammers mm-hmm. inside. Then you crack your own um, open. And the, the tie-in with the cigar box is I did a, a uh, basically a tobacco tincture. It started just by trying to figure out how to hollow out an ice ball. Yeah, I've done that. It's some effort. Oh, yeah. A lot of time. Because you got to figure out the freezing time and what how much freezing you need to like hold the drink. You know, I was I had an industrial freezer right. sharing it with the kitchen who yeah. was opening the doors all throughout the day. So, you know, <laughs> that's got to be hell on trying to figure out how many hours it needs to be in to get the yeah, wall. It, tough. it just was like set a timer and go check on it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we would pull them too too soon and it wasn't thick enough. So we'd ruin them and waste right. three hours of prep for that specific ice mold. But it was fun. We got to us. We got into a system that, you know, we could crank them out pretty quickly. And yeah. The owner a, asked me not to put that on the menu or yeah, talk about it. I can see why. It's it was a fun thing though. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and, it was kind of an accident. I did it for a cocktail dinner, a paired, you know, a dinner, and uh, there happened to be like a local writer that was there, and yeah, she wrote an article about it. And so the owner said, "Oh, you can do it, but only for the dinner because it's too labor intensive." And then all of a sudden, there's this article, so people are asking, and yeah. And that's I how kinda I got in trouble with both ownership and staff on that. Yeah. One. Didn't really like and that's me. how I had one. Cause it was before I knew you at all well enough to be like, eh, I need one of those bad boys. So I had mentioned, Oh, I read about this thing and it was like, oh, all right. <laughs> who said I think it? we have some molds in the back. Someone else <laughs> yeah, reacted I, that way. I don't remember who it was. Yeah. It was great because we would get vodka drinkers that would order it. Right. They, they had no idea what it was. Like they wouldn't it. even ask what the drink was. They just said, I want that. Yeah, one of those. It's and they might not even drink it, but boom, twenty five dollar cocktail. Right, it's really experience. That was uh, you know cocktail in the rock instead of on the rocks Mm -hmm. or on the rock cocktail in the rock. And since you had to break it in order to drink it, we called that one the Escape from Alcatraz. That's what I remember. The Escape from Alcatraz. That's right. And inspired me to buy specific ice molds, a drill. And a syringe, yeah. <laughs> like a turkey basting <laughs> syringe. So I was making those bad boys at home. See what That's you do, funny. buddy. Spreading the wealth. Yeah, we actually, so this is kind of a reference of how many how many of those molds we had to make. I was regularly 
across the street at Bed Bath & Beyond buying turkey basters. <laughs> That's where I just, bought mine. We are just breaking them yeah. left and right. <laughs> well, we've sufficiently gone over... Yeah, there it is. I got a better picture. Do you? <laughs> no, I Well, don't. of course you do. Because you zoom with your feet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, when you're sitting at the bar, it's more zoom with your arm length. <laughs> you don't have to move your feet too much. But I like that you're listening. Mm-hmm. I do listen. I've caught myself... I've punished myself. Well. You corrected yourself. Corrected myself. You went with your feet. And your pictures were better for it. Let's maybe wrap up with this, unless you guys have a lot. Unless you have, there's something else you want to touch on to you know produce what? some relief. Maybe we don't need to. Okay. So I was going to be a dick. No. <laughs> Double dick. No. No, I just was going to say, I mean, if it's at home, then what is the technical side? Really, like how does it matter if you're going to be behind the bar and serving guests that are coming and paying for it then yeah you better have the technical down but well when i say home bartender it doesn't always i'm not just saying that doesn't just pertain to making a drink to you for yourself it could be for friends here's what or I would say. guests here's what i would say you don't charge your guests to come over to your house parties <laughs> what were you saying i'd say practice makes Perfect. Get your 10,000 hours in. That's right. Just keep making drinks. Drink them. Um, and then listen to this episode over again. And then tell your friends and have them listen. And then subscribe. Mm-hmm. And then check out alwaysparched.com. This guy. Always parched on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. And learn more. Well, thanks for listening. This, again, is Always Parched. And now we definitely have Always Parched at Gmail. Uh, feel free to hit us up with any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, hit us up on instagram at always parched uh facebook always part everything's always parched right we don't even always parched.com yep we got no spaces we got no hyphens nothing it's always parched so hit us up and uh we'll catch you next time had a Ramos gin fizz from the Sazerac bar in New Orleans? Yeah. No, you haven't. <laughs> no, yeah. Micah got me. Yeah, um, don't big time us. <laughs> we haven't, I haven't been to New Orleans. So one of the things I think <laughs> <Hi> is... <guys. laughs>